Today on the podcast, we have Carla Carlston joining us from Reading Noodle. Carla is a former first grade teacher turned stay-at-home mom, and although she left the classroom, her heart never left education. So she wrote her very own curriculum to teach letters and sounds, making sure that it's fully aligned with the science of reading. She is also very active on social media, on Instagram especially. She has a website that shares lots of amazing tips, and her mission is to really support parents who are helping to teach their child to read at home. She, as a teacher, knows how important it is to have that parent support, and she wants to be able to help parents better understand how kids learn how to read by giving them bite-sized information that then they can go home and implement with their child and see amazing success. So I can't wait for you to listen to this episode and get all of the great takeaways from Carla. Welcome to the Littles Love Learning Podcast, the place to be if you want to teach your child to read and write correctly and effectively based on the science of reading. My name's Erin, and I'm a former classroom teacher with my master's degree in early childhood education and over 15 years experience. And although I'm no longer in the classroom full-time, I spend my days subbing, tutoring, volunteering, and working with students on their literacy skills. I am passionate about helping parents like you understand how kids learn to read and write in the right way. Because yes, there is a right way. Each week we'll tackle the most important topics in early literacy, including the best way to teach letters and sounds, the difference between sight words and high frequency words, and why spelling and handwriting should not be skipped. Are you ready to help your child become a strong reader? Then let's dive into today's episode. Carla, welcome to the Little Love Learning Podcast. I'm so happy to have you here today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. So why don't you go ahead and tell all of the listeners a little bit about your background so that we know how you got into this reading space? Yeah, so I um, studied early childhood special education at BYU-Idaho. Um, so that was my undergrad. And then from there, I got placed um, for my student teaching um, in Utah, which is where I live now. So I got placed for student teaching and then I finished student teaching and got hired right off the bat at the school I was student teaching at, which was a title one school. It was a really, um, really difficult area, but I absolutely fell in love with it and all the challenges that came with that and the students and their stories and their lives. They were just, they're amazing kids. So I taught at that school for four years. Um, as a first grade teacher and I loved it. And then I decided, I think I was in my third year teaching and I decided I wanted to get my master's degree uh, or no, I was in my second year. And then I got my master's degree in my third year. So anyway, it was great. So I have a master's degree from WGU um, in curriculum and instruction. And I did my thesis on peer editing with first graders in their writing. And it was so fun. It was so fun. And they like blew me away with their writing. Um, and that, that's kind of my background. That's how I started teaching. And then, um, I decided to have babies and go through that <laughs> whole thing. And, and so I got pregnant. Um, I think it was my fourth year. So I started my fourth year teaching pregnant. I was like 12 weeks pregnant when the school year started and then had her in March and went, took my maternity leave, came back, finished the school year. And then I just like, it was just not, I needed to stay home. So I stayed home and, um, it was hard. It was hard. And it's a strange transition to go from like always having to be somewhere and all these little people needing you to just your one little person needing you. 
Um, but it was, it was great. I, I'm really happy. I made the choice to stay home and it segued into reading noodle. Yes. Which is so amazing. And I think so many of us have a similar story where we absolutely love teaching. I know that was true for me. And then when I got pregnant, I knew that my place was at home. And as hard as that was to leave the classroom, because I absolutely loved it, I knew that the best place for us and for our family was for me to be home. And so to find a way to be able to still be connected to education is amazing. When I had my daughter in 2013, I felt like there was no way. It was either you were a full-time teacher, maybe a sub, or that was it. I didn't think there was a way you could be home and still be so involved in education. So I'm so thankful now all of the opportunities we have to do what we're doing. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us about Reading Noodle, because I know that you had opened it and then closed it and you were doing journals and now it's back open. So I would love to hear about that journey. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It has been a journey. (laughs) That's a really good word for it. (laughs) Um, so when my, so I left teaching and I knew that I wasn't like ready to shut the door. I love the the process of teaching kids to read. Um, and especially like when I would pull my small groups, that was like my favorite was just seeing the light bulb go off. So I was like, there has got to be a way that I can like help parents because the amount of parents I had come into my classroom. Um, I mean, they were all like really struggling. They all worked multiple jobs. A lot of the parents were in jail. Like, so it was grandma raising them or things like that. But I just, a lot of them were like, what can I do? Like, what can I do at home? I don't, I don't know what, how to do any of this. And I, I want to, like, I want to be involved, but I don't know how. So that's kind of where the light bulb went off for me was like, okay, there's gotta be something where it's like super bite-sized pieces of information, um, that parents can just like grab onto and run with. And so I created my own curriculum, um, and my own scope and sequence that like, and I, I had to. (laughs) I laugh at it now because I don't know what I was thinking because it was so time intensive, but I was like desperate to get anything into the hands of parents. So I created my own subscription box essentially. So each month they got like a set of curriculum um, aligned with the scope and sequence and it was like divided by weeks. And so I think it was like a nine month buy-in kind of thing. So they had it for nine months. Um, and it, it was awesome. I was really proud of it, but I like print and cut and laminated everything. And it was like little pieces and I had to organize it all and make sure I was on like, who has what subscription this month. And it was so much work. I mean, it got to the point where I was like nine months pregnant with my second baby in labor on Super Bowl Sunday, I had him the next day and I was like cutting and printing and laminating in labor. And I was like, I don't, I don't think this is what... This is not sustainable. (laughs) So I very quickly was like, uh, I'm not going to be able to do this with two kids, two and under. My daughter wasn't even two. She was like 21 months. They're 21 months apart. No, 23 months, something like that. They're really close in age. (laughs) So anyway, I, um, after my baby, my second baby was born, I took a little, like, I finished out the subscriptions that I needed to finish out. And then I was like, I cannot do this. I'm not sleeping. I just, I have to pause. And I honestly thought, okay, I think this is like the end, which I was really sad about, but I didn't see like another way to do it. Um, at that point. So I closed it. 
And then I got in like the thick of postpartum depression and I created this whole other business that was all about journaling. And I reached out to moms and postpartum depression and just like surviving motherhood kind of became my platform for a little bit. And I'm so proud of that too. Um, um, and it like helped heal me for sure through all that having babies. Um, and then if you fast forward, sorry, I'm jumping all over the place, but if then you fast forward to about, about like a year ago, I just kept getting this like very strong feeling like you have got to bring it back. Like you have a first grader or at the time she was in kindergarten and my son has a, a severe speech delay and that can, is connected to like literacy issues and learning issues. And so I just kept getting this really strong feeling like you just, you need to bring it back and you need to go digital. And so I was like, okay. So I dug, I dove back in and I brought up all my old curriculum and I was like, I think there's a lot I would change. Like there's a lot I would redo. So I started diving into the research and like, I started hearing about science of reading and I was like, what is this? I reached out to old colleagues. Cause I'm, again, I had been out of the classroom at that point for like five years. So I wasn't up to date on all the new trainings and anyways. So I reached out to a friend of mine and um, who teaches second grade. And she was like, oh, you've got to like dive into the science of reading. It is so cool. We don't memorize sight words anymore. We don't do this. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> this is so cool. And it, it all like clicked. And I was like, yes, this feels right. Like all the things I struggled with when I was teaching, it sounds like they kind of addressed them. And so things that I like never really understood why we had to just memorize sight words. Like I didn't get it, but we just did it, you know? So anyway, that was kind of my journey um, there with reopening reading noodle. And I honestly fought it for like eight months. I was like, I am not doing that. There's no way I can't. Um, until finally I was like, okay, I'll just start like, you know, I'll start like tweaking my curriculum. And I honestly threw all of my old stuff out and started completely from scratch. Not that it was bad. It just needed like, it just needed some fine tuning, you know? Absolutely. That's amazing. And so now <laughs> it is back and you have a really active Instagram platform and you share so much valuable information with parents Thank and you. you have had quite a few viral reels. Oh I wanted gosh. to talk about your most viral reel. So as of this recording, I just went and looked, you have a <laughs> reel that has 6.6 million <laughs> views. I mean, that's like mind boggling. Will you tell us a little bit more about that reel? what it was about and kind of why you think it just sparked such a big response. Yeah. I'm, I'm like embarrassed about, I mean, I'm, I'm proud of it, but I'm also like, why did that go viral? Like, I don't understand. But now that I've thought about it and sat on it for a few months, I'm like, okay. I, I, I think girls often go viral when the trolls come out, when it's like a controversial thing or it rubs people. We're like, wait, I don't agree with that. Or that's not how I learned, which is what this reel was really about. So the one that went super viral was just about how it drives me insane. I heard my son's preschool teacher say at like an assessment she did with him and she's wonderful. She's wonderful. And all teachers are wonderful. No one's perfect. Right. Um, but she was like asking him what the letter B says. And he, at that time, at the beginning of the year knew nothing, like just so far behind and his second year of preschool and just nothing he's come so far, but still, and I was sitting there on the side, like trying to keep it together and she was like okay b says bah like super and i was just like oh my gosh okay 
okay. Like I just, <laughs> it was just such a big, uh, sound afterward. And I had been doing so much research and was like, no, 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 no. You clip the, uh, you clip it. Cause otherwise it really messes up with their eventual spelling and reading skills. So, um, that is what the real was, was me just kind of making fun of that in a sense or playing with on it and then sharing my experience and people either like super agreed or they were like, I learned to read that way and I'm fine. Or all are just like, they just like tore me apart or supported me. It just was really interesting. It is so interesting. A lot of people have strong opinions about teachers <laughs> and the way we teach. And like you said, they will say, I learned this way. It was fine. Why do you care? Why do teachers make such a big deal out of things? As yeah. if we're being nitpicky for nitpickiness sake. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're not, as if we're trying to make children's lives miserable by working right. on these skills. So like you, absolutely, I've learned about the importance of clipping our sounds and really making sure we're uh, pronouncing them clearly. We don't have that uh sound at the end. And I think for people who aren't in education, they don't realize why that's so important. And yeah. in fact, if you go on almost any YouTube video where they mm -hmm. sing the alphabet, they most of them will have that uh sound at the end of all of their consonants. And it's like, nails on a chalkboard <laughs> because now we know how important it is to clip that off. So that yeah. reel definitely went super viral. You have yeah. another reel that is almost at a million views, which is another one where you were in that reel talking about a different topic. So why don't you share that reel with us too? Yeah, that one was just like my son dancing in the snow and um, it, but it was talking about how he's five, almost five, and he's going to kindergarten in the fall. And he knows like maybe at the time I made that real, he knew like maybe four or five letters and sounds and that I was starting to panic. And I was just trying to relate to other parents who might, cause I've had other friends be like, Ugh, like my child only knows this and they're starting, should I be worried? Cause they come to me, they know, like, you probably know the answer to this. Should I be worried? And so I was just trying to relate to the masses. And apparently I did, but again, a lot of people didn't like that. So it's interesting to me as I'm kind of getting back into this creative space on Instagram of how people feel so strongly about things. And a lot of people feel that way. Um, and a lot of them have never set foot in the classroom and some have, and, and that's the, that's the thing I'm starting to notice. And I have even felt it with myself. Um, I'll take the sight word example, for example, when my, co my colleague was like, yeah, we don't memorize sight words anymore. I was like, no, what we don't, I don't understand. That's dumb. That's, I don't get it. it and I, again, as I was teaching, I always felt kind of strange about it, but the thought of having to relearn a new way to do it was really overwhelming to me. And I just felt this like, no, I don't, nah, I'm good. <laughs> if that makes sense. So that's what I'm kind of picking up on from some people is like, what do you mean? I have to relearn a way to teach this. I don't want to do that. You know, I it works for me before. And I think you're right. We as teachers can get defensive because we yeah. care so much about our students. We care so totally. much about the way we teach. And if someone is now coming and saying, hey, there's a different way to teach this. And then we think of all the students we had in the past. Yes. And it's yes. so much of that guilt. Like I did it wrong. I didn't do the right thing. Because I think most of us, especially teachers, are we're just trying to be helpers and we just want to do the right thing. Yes. So that can, that might trigger that defensiveness that some feel when they see reels about how, how the best way is to teach. It can be tough yeah. for them. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. It is. It's, a, it's like, 
it was just like, um, a response I couldn't control. Like, I just felt like this natural defensiveness come up and I was like, where is this coming from? And so it's taken a lot of humility on my part to be like, no, it's okay that things have changed and it's for the children. So if we can help the children, why am I being defensive? Like, there's literally no point. I, if we're here to help the kids, like that is literally all that matters. Right. Right. But I love that you work through that because it's not easy mm-hmm. and that no. we have to kind of accept the the data and the science and the research and the reasons that we're doing these new yeah. ideas. And it's so important because it's all to help the kids. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Well, why don't you talk more about that bridge between school and home? Because I know when you talk on Instagram, a lot of it is to be a supplement to what's happening yeah. in the classroom, that you have created an amazing curriculum and you're sharing tips to be a supplement. So what kind of tips do you have for parents on what they can do at home to be that support system for their child? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm a big advocate for supporting teachers, right? I was one, my mom was one for 30 years. So I'm a really big advocate for, I don't want people to think like, oh, I can just do this curriculum and my kids will, they don't need their teacher. Like I really am so thankful for teachers and I want to support them. And so I wanted to create something that would um, be that supplement that would support what's happening in school. Um, so that parents and teachers and the student, I just picture them as like this big triangle, right? Like there's the student at the top and then the parent and teachers, and they have to be aligned and they have to support their child that they're right. And they're a team. And I think we forget that sometimes, um, on both sides. And so I just, I feel like it's important for parents to have a really, again, like bite-sized, easy to understand, like it doesn't have to be as in-depth as if you went and got an education degree, but it also shouldn't be inaccessible for parents. Like all of that that you learn in college, it shouldn't be inaccessible for parents. And I, especially with all the up and coming research that's coming out, I really believe that parents should be able to be like, oh yeah, I'm up to date on that. And this is like, I can pop that into our car ride today. We can practice listening to blending and segmenting, right? We can do some phonemic awareness in the car or, oh yeah, I know how to teach my child a heart word instead of a sight word. So, and I want parents to feel confident knowing the difference between a high frequency word and a sight word and a heart word and all, I just want them to feel like I know that vocabulary. I can confidently like help my child with this. So that's kind of my goal is to like give parents um, step-by-step guides and in that they get step-by-step activities too, so that they can understand the terminology and then put it to use right there. I absolutely love that. We have such similar missions. And that's one of the reasons I wanted you on the podcast, because I don't think schools should be gatekeepers. I don't think teachers should be gatekeepers for this information. And I don't think that it's too much to ask of parents to learn some of those terms like heart words or phonological awareness. Like you said, they're asking for it. They want to learn this information. I remember when um, my nephew was in kindergarten and my sister was going to his kindergarten teacher. This was many, many years ago, asking for help. What? what can I do at home to help him with his alphabet? He was struggling learning. What's the song you sing that I can sing with him at home? And the teacher just would not give that information to her. Hmm. No, she said, don't worry about it. We'll take care of it in the classroom. And I think a lot of teachers might do that thinking that that's helpful. Like we don't want to stress parents out. You know what? We'll take care of it in the classroom. You don't have to worry about it at home, but that is not the best way because parents want to help. Let's include them. Let's bring them in and make sure they're helping in a way that's effective. Make sure that they understand these terms so that it's, we're all a team. Like you said, I just have seen the most success in students 
where you have the teacher and the parent and the child all working together. And that's the success team that we need. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Sure. That was the, one of the big comments that came on the second reel you mentioned was like, oh, just let the teachers teach. That's fine. I'm I'm happy to let the teachers teach, but like parents are so capable and most are so willing and hopeful that they can like have that little impact. I always think of it like you can you can learn to be the your child's tutor, right? And not everybody has money to fork out for a tutor and tutors are expensive. And I don't I just don't think it should break your bank to help you know, like accurately and effectively teach your child to read or support your child in their reading. It shouldn't break your bank. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Because if you're getting an effective tutor, maybe someone trained in Orton Gillingham or in the science of reading, they charge a lot. And that's because they have been through so many hours of training and so much experience and they are worth their weight in gold. They're phenomenal, but it's not accessible to all parents. And so to have a resource where they can come and they can learn these skills is so, so valuable. And like you mentioned, supporting teachers, I agree. My kids both go to public school. I 100% support teachers. And by working with them at home, that helps their teachers so much because when they go in the classroom and they have that foundation and they are ready to learn in a way that they can be taken to the next level, that's so fun for teachers. That's what they want too. So I think working with your child at home is a way to support teachers. Absolutely. Yeah. And it doesn't have to take an hour. Like it can take 10 to 15 minutes, 30 max, like depending on how you want to run a lesson or you can interweave it into family game night. Like a lot of my activities are games and like fun centered. So the child, like I have my, the students I tutor are like, okay, can we please play connect four today? Like they just, but they don't even realize like they're playing a game, but they're also learning and practicing fluency and building skills at the same time. Yes. I love that. Well, Speaking of the games you play in tutoring, but you're also a mom, you have three kids at home. I would love to know kind of some of the activities that you do with your own kids and with the kids you tutor now that you have all of this knowledge in the science of reading and maybe some things that you don't do because of this knowledge that you have because you want to prepare your own kids and also the kids you tutor for school. Yeah, that's a great, great question. I feel like I'm still learning all of that. Like, um, but for the most part, I have just taken everything I've learned research wise and just run with it. So, uh, and then taken a lot of what I used in my classroom as well. So I do a lot of phonemic awareness with my kids, like in the car, just simple things like tell me the sounds in cat and my preschooler can do that, which is a really big deal for him. Um, and then I use a lot of manipulatives. So I'll use like magnetiles or like the big poppets. I use those to practice phonemic awareness a lot. I have these like, I just, I always go to the dollar spot, the dollar tree or like the target dollar spot and they have just random stuff. But if I can manipulate it to use it for reading in some way, like I will do it. So they have these like huge, like kind of like, like circle smiley face mats this summer and I grab those and we my kids jump and do syllables that way like we just kind of throw in fun games and I don't do it every day but we just kind of weave it in like if they have homework to do or we'll just kind of weave it in that way or if I want to practice a lesson that I from my curriculum with them um then that's really been really awesome too then I can just weave it in that way and my son who's five and he'll start kindergarten in the fall I wrote my preschool curriculum I threw the old one out the window and rewrote the entire thing. Um, I call it a preschool curriculum. It's really not. It's just letters and sounds. So it's learning letters and sounds, tons of the phonemic awareness woven in. 
Um, but I do that with him. He begs me every day to do mommy school <laughs> and we only do it for maybe 10 to 15 minutes, but he is so excited about just learning, which is really fun for me to see. Um, we do mommy school almost every day. Um, and that's been really fun. So I just try and weave in literacy wherever I can. So whether that's, we're just reading books together and having fun, like that's also really important, right? We never want to like take that away from the bonding experience with parents and kids. Um, but yeah. And then my daughter, I love the education to the core decodables. I love her decodables. They're really, really awesome. I also love charge mommy books. Um, so I've just kind of like compiled this set of decodables. So if, when you asked what I don't use, um, I don't use leveled readers unless it's for fun reading. So if we're just reading for fun, sure. Like read a Pete the Cat leveled reader book, no big deal. But I don't expect my daughter to be able to read um, even Bob books, frankly. Like even some of those are not like the scope and sequence I would prefer to follow. So I've just gotten really picky about... Um, finding decodable books that are aligned with my scope and sequence or my daughter's scope and sequence at school. And that has made a really big impact on her reading for sure. That's awesome. And tell us where listeners can find your curriculum if they want to read more about it and check it out for themselves. Yeah, you can just go to readingnoodle.org um, and you can find it there. You can find me on Instagram at, at readingnoodle. Um, and yeah, it's just like a growing space. I have a lot of work to do on it, but it's, it's growing and it's really fun. Yes. No, it's growing so fast. It's amazing. And definitely if you're listening, go check out our Instagram, go scroll back and find those viral reels <laughs> and see, <laughs> go look to see for yourself, see some of the comments. And what I was going to compliment you on is just the way you handle the comments so well with so much grace oh. and so much patience even when comments are not kind, even when comments are questioning, you yeah. respond in such an open way. You're so kind to anyone who comments. So definitely okay. go check out those reels so you can see all of her comments. I really appreciate how you don't engage with the negativity or the trolls in that way. You just come at it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, if listeners could have one big takeaway from this episode, what would you want them to walk away with? Um, I think my main mission, which is just that parents are so capable um, to to arm their kids with literacy skills, just as their, te their child's teacher is. So if you are listening and you're like, you know what, I feel like I would make a difference in my kid's life, or I want to be able to like feel confident teaching my child, even just a few skills. That's what I want parents to realize is you are more than capable of doing that. I love that so much. They absolutely are with all of your amazing resources and hopefully they keep listening to the podcast. They'll get so many great tips that yes, parents are more than capable, like you said, of teaching their child. Yeah. All right. Well, I have one more question before we go, since this okay. is called the little self learning podcast. I would love to know what you love most about working with littles. Oh my gosh. I love the random things they say. <laughs> I do. I love teaching a lesson and they're just like thinking about something else. They're doing what you ask, but they just blurt out something random. Um, I even had a kid that I've never forgot who just randomly was like, 
he was a really struggling reader and he just randomly was like, and he, he did great. He read the sentence and he was shocked at himself that he did it. And he was like, I did it like a boss. And I like just, just like the little things they say, that's my favorite. Oh, it's the best. And as a teacher, we always would say to parents, nothing is a secret in your house because your nothing. child will come to school and tell us everything that goes yeah, on everything. <laughs> in the funniest ways too. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate your time. I will make sure to put all of the links down below so people can find your website and find your Instagram and definitely connect with you if they want to learn more. Thanks so much, Erin. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining me in today's episode. For more information on helping your child learn to read, head over to my website, littleslovelearning.com. While you're there, don't forget to join my email list so you stay up to date with all things early literacy. You can also find me over on Instagram at Littles Love Learning Blog. Happy learning!